0: another way to play episode seven.
1: Hey, this is David Gunderman, team leader of the Gunderman group. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to another way to play with my good friend, Hans Trezina.
2: Welcome to another way to play your wake up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is another way to play with your host, Hans Struzina.
0: Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is David Gunderman of the Gunderman Group, one of my personal mentors, someone I get to spend a lot of time with every week, and so I'm really, really excited to bring his story and this conversation to you guys. David actually started out his professional career as a Broadway actor, working in live productions on on and off Broadway tour in the country through his 20s, ultimately found real estate sort of as a placeholder and definitely by mistake. He'll talk about that a little bit later. That's a fascinating story because he has actually set records and been, frankly, the most successful real estate agent in the East Bay, which is the Oakland Berkeley, Piedmont, uh, Alameda Market of the Bay Area. In fact, in 2018, he and his partner Andrew sold over $100 million themselves. Uh, they've done over $1.5 billion of transactions in their career. Uh, the Gunderman Group, which is the team they've built that I'm a part of, uh, sold over $190 million in 2018 alone, uh, ranked 92nd in the nation in 2018 on the Wall Street Journal sales volume list and ranked by Real Trends, San Francisco Magazine, and the Luxury Marketing Council of San Francisco as number eight of the top 100 teams in the Bay Area in 2018. In this conversation, you will hear David talk about a couple of things. uh, One being really, really knowing yourself, uh, whether uh, you're into real estate, you're into acting, uh, really finding a true authenticity for you and shouting it loud being willing to get out there with what's truly authentic to you so listen for that as well as he also is going to talk to us about the lean in lean out strategy that he feels has served him so well through his career both acting and in real estate sales so keep your ears peeled for that but before we dive into the conversation i would love to have a conversation with you uh and learn more about you what you're liking on the podcast how i can improve it what other questions i should ask these guests and what type of guests we should get on Uh, so in the show notes below uh, take a look out for my calendly link get on my schedule for a 15 minute call let's have a chat i can't wait to hear from you and to have a conversation so i can continue providing value uh, and making this podcast even better than it already is without any further ado let's get to the conversation with david gunderman David, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's a real pleasure and an honor to have you on. Hey, Hans. Thanks for having me. Before we get too far down the path with your story, because you've done a lot in your life, why don't you take us back a little bit to where you feel like your journey began?
1: Oh, my God. Uh, this is so James Lipton. Okay. Um, my journey began <laughs> at birth in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, I was I was born in Los Angeles and uh, to a, to a woman who I've since met in when I was about thirty who was nineteen years old when she gave birth to me uh, and I was pr- quickly put up for adoption in 1967 to the through sort of the the world of of uh, you know unwed mothers and Catholicism that was happening at that time uh, and I only bring that up because you know being an adoptee does inform a lot about about who I am mm-hmm. and um, and I grew up in. The San Fernando Valley uh, of Los Angeles in Northridge, and uh, my formative years were there. I lived in the same house my entire life in fact that house i'm I'm just preparing for sale right now because my father my mother passed away about four years ago my father just passed away this year, so the family home that that I was raised in is still uh, in my life and um, so there was a lot of stability there and um Let's see. I mean, I was a kid who, uh, there was, you know, a lot of emotional turmoil in my house and uh, found a lot of my solace and, and pleasure and inspiration and found a lot of my self-esteem through both school, uh, being an A student, and also through theater. I was a theater kid. Uh, I discovered that in my junior high years and just started performing and 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 took to it and really enjoyed it uh, being in Northridge there was a summer theater workshop for teenagers at the Cal State University of Northridge that was just a, a really big moment in my life because I took to it I ended up transferring high schools even in my senior year to go to a, a, a school that was had a tremendous theater department my first theater festival was a statewide theater festival I got to perform something and I ended up winning a big award and while I was there an agent carted me and said, you know, I want to represent you potentially, so come meet with me, and And he was a, a, a really good agent. Met with him, he signed me, so I started working professionally in theater right as I was transitioning into my freshman year at UCLA to study theater, film, and television. Uh, spent four years there. Um, again, those sort of uh, academic pursuits continued, continued to have my focus, so Um, I continued to be an A student there. And while I was attending UCLA, I was working professionally in theater. I was auditioning for a lot of film and TV and, and movies, booked a bunch of commercials. Always got a lot of callbacks for the, the, the film and TV stuff, but rarely booked it and sort of discovered that I didn't really have the look for television and film. That was the feedback my agent was getting, but I kept booking theater gigs, mm-hmm. which is not something that LA is really um, hot on. Uh, LA is a film and TV town, as I'm sure everyone knows. So graduated from UCLA and was sort of freaking out about the idea of pursuing the arts because it felt very uh, insecure to me. Um, That may have been the voice of my father who is an aerospace guy and mm-hmm. kept in the same job for 35 years. He was not restrictive or, you know, telling me it would be a crazy thing, but I could just feel his anxiety around it. Um, although he was always supportive and um, geared up to go to, to law school, took the law school admissions test, got a tremendous score, thought, okay, well, I'll go to law school. And while I was planning on doing that, I got cast in a Broadway show. So I ended up moving to New York with a Broadway show thinking, you know, I'll do this for a year and this will look great on my law school applications. And then while I was in that show, I got cast in another Broadway show and I um, ended up getting a terrific agent in New York. And, and long story short for my twenties, just suddenly zoomed by, you know, I just kept working in theater and it was the early nineties. So real estate was uh, at a low. So I ended up being able to buy a studio apartment on the Upper West side for $50,000 and, you know, really set myself up financially. Uh, i I'm, proud to say my theater years in New York, I never had to wait on a single table. i managed to keep
0: working. And then when I was, I hope this isn't too much detail. No, this is, this is great. I mean, it's, it's, you hear about the starving artist concept all the time, but you, frankly, you weren't that person. You were booking gigs left and right, and you actually made a living acting.
1: I was, I was, I was proud of that. I have to say, I, I, I ran into a, a former colleague from those days, and we were just chatting and he, he shared with me something that really hit me and it made me feel really good he said you know the one thing i remember about you is i was always a bit i was always a bit envious not that i i, I sought his envy but um but he said you were always working you know you always had a, you, you seem to always have a job and and for me i i never had enough jobs you know i mm-hmm. i you know i'm an ambitious guy and and you know i hated being unemployed it made me crazy so you know i i i wouldn't say I think unless you really, unless lightning strikes you though, every artist is to some degree a starving artist. You know, Mm I just, I, I I just got by better than most. Interesting. Uh, It's just really hard to live in New York city on, you know, even though it was the nineties on, you know, 35 or 40 or $45,000 a year. Sure. Uh, And so, but you know, I did and, and you, you got by and they were wonderful times. I mean, people often say, and I totally agree with this. New York is like the best place to live. Um, if you're if you're rich or if you're really poor, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's and, um, interesting.
1: And it was just fun. I mean, you 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 lived. The furnishings in your apartment were things you dragged up from out from the curb. You know, I lived on the Upper West Side, so there was plenty of wealth around, and people would just dumped things. And it was just fun. It was just a, everything was a fun adventure. Um, and and um, I'd say the thing that that translates from those days for me more than just about anything is that you 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 built I one built tremendous survival skills. And um, I, know how to, I know how to stretch a dollar and make things work for myself and how to get by. And, and um, they, they were just tremendous times. I, I loved every, every minute of my 20s and the years I spent in New York. They were just awesome.
0: And, and you sort of answered a question that I was actually just about to ask, which yeah. was, uh, what, what was one of the things that set you apart um, in, in that time of your life relative to, you know, surviving well, as you put it, but also always having, having a job?
1: I, that's a great question. I, I would say that I think what's, what's always served me in those moments or in, in every phase of my life are, are just some baseline social skills. I think I'm pretty good at reading a room and, and figuring out what needs to be done to get, to get from A to B. Um, so I think, I think there's, a, there's just sort of a, an emotional, psychological intelligence that, that serves me well in terms of figuring out what's needed. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think also just kind of being a, a relatively optimistic guy. Um, I think, I think when you walk the, the, the audition room, I I keep sort of thinking about the audition room as you ask that question. And and there's this, there's this thing that happens when, when you're auditioning for a part where, you know, there's probably about 20 of you that, that are the right type for this, this, this thing. And something about you has to, you know, pop through it. You have to differentiate something about you has to be, has to give them permission to choose you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and 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 your job is to kind of figure out what what it is they might value, while while to whatever extent you can, not undermining what you authentically are, because I think anytime you you start to to push out something that's inauthentic, it's just an absolute turn off to people. Um, and it's also where I learned one of the greatest lessons of my life, which I think I've really applied to real estate too, which is which is something Andrew, uh, my husband, has described as the lean in, lean out principle, and it really mm-hmm. is so true of realist of excuse me of um of theater. Theater is a situation, and I and I did this plenty of times, and I suffered for it plenty of times. But when you walk into a room and you want something too badly, it's 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 palpable, and everybody yep. nobody wants anything to do with you. And if you're ever too eager or 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 just lean too forward into somebody else, their instinct is to back away. So you know, whenever you could feel you know, confident, secure in who you are, secure in what you were doing, like you knew the material, you, uh, you know, the other thing, nice thing about years in a place like New York is you start to build connections. So when you walk into a room for somebody who's cast you before, or you've already built a relationship, or I think about this wonderful guy, Joe Abaldo, who was a casting director who unfortunately passed away from AIDS. There was this one particular audition where, you know, right as I was about to start, I just, I just had a stomach full of nerves for some reason. And right as I was about to start, Joe turned to the director and said, now you're in for a treat. Mm. It's just that moment that just filled me with like, oh, I'm okay. It just relaxed me. I was confident all of a sudden. He, he did me such a favor there. And it's one of those moments that you think of like, I want to I pay that forward. I want to remember that moment that just telling somebody you believe in them right before they're about to embark on something is just really powerful. Totally. Um, So, so all of it sort of builds on itself. And I think, I think just being, you know, again, like any profession, the theater profession, the real estate profession, if you, if, if when you get an opportunity, you deliver on the expectation, maybe even you over deliver on it. You're somebody who shows up, who, um, brings creativity, energy, passion to what you're doing. People talk about you positively and good things happen to you. And, um, and so I think just generally being a positive, focused, ambitious person also served me in that, in that, in that world.
0: You're you're certainly one who tends to over-deliver when given the opportunity.
1: I, oh God, that's nice of you to say, Hans. It's certainly been um, a life's mission. So ha- having you say that is meaningful. So thank you.
0: You're, you're so welcome. Um, so you, you spent your 20s in New York. You're going from audition room to audition room and stage to stage. Uh, how does that transition outlook for you because I imagine especially in the performance world it's you're you're standing up and people are clapping for you at the end of every night and <laughs> hopefully it's going well and it's a high that you're you're all kind of on stage building this beautiful moment that can't be repeated at least that's my impression of the beauty yeah, you're of- right so how do you step out of that and go into real estate because that's a completely different animal
1: well there was a step there but but um, it is and it, it was hard. I have to tell you, it was hard. What, what happened there is I was on a national tour of a Broadway show and, um, and it wasn't a particularly, I mean, the, the, the environment was quite nice and the money was good and the actors were terrific. I was unfortunately the, the standby for the lead actor. And it was a really hard thing to be on the road and not performing, mm. just sort of waiting around. And, um, the person I was standing by for was a celebrity and, and, and just sort of that waiting around thing was really, was really tedious. Um, uh, probably a, a job that served me in one major way, but it was also sort of making me, it was growing my core discontent with the business a little bit. But while I was on that tour, I met Andrew and, and, and met the love of my life. And he was in the Bay Area and I was in New York. And we started this long distance relationship. And I went back to New York, obviously, and continued to work. I had some jobs coming up and Andrew would fly out and see me in these plays and I'd fly out and visit him. And there was a moment when we decided to really uh, give this relationship a go and he was gonna move out to New York. And for me, there, there was um, there was just a, a pause. There was there was there were voices that were churning in me that I needed to listen to. And one is that theater is a is a total high. You could not have described it better. It is just this high. It's a creative. It's an extraordinary ride when it's all going well. It's also these tremendous lows when you're between jobs or you can't. It feels like you can't get a job or you're not getting the audition or that person won't see you. Um, And, and, and there's a lot of your ego tied up in it because when somebody doesn't want to see you, it doesn't feel like, it feels like they don't want to see you. It just feels like a, a a real annihilation of self. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it, there's a, there's a lot churning and, and the, and the, the profession demands of you that you really sacrifice something that I would describe as a healthy personal life. Like, there was no way to to really have home and hearth. You know, I remember wanting to have a dog. Like, there was no way to have a dog. Like, it was just, you were just constantly packing a bag and running off to some other city in the country. And that's really fun for a while, but it also starts to grate on you. And and even when you get the big Broadway show... the creative run- up to it is fantastic. The opening nights fantastic. The first few months are fantastic, and then it starts to become a grind
2: mm. and you're like,
1: "Wow, I got here and now it's it's not as much fun. I mean it is fun, but also like you it, it has this bad ha- this bad tendency to become a little bit robotic and and your and your your job then is to find the original inspiration and have it happen but it it just starts to not be fun. it just wears
0: on you so, so what you're saying is even something is is as- Uh, glamorous as Broadway acting can still feel like a grind.
1: I can't, I mean, I I never got to to a year mark on a show. Um, I just, I had, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just do that same thing eight times a week. It just wasn't my thing. Um, I loved the creative process and the newness of it, but the other thing that was happening in this—I this, won't go too deep into this—but the industry was changing when I when I was coming upon thirty. And a, I'm I'm very youthful in appearance, so I sort of knew some of the writing was on the wall that like my the sweet spot of my what my type was sort of starting to to um, come to an end. But also the the industry as a whole was getting very corporate. Fewer and fewer casting directors were were casting uh, more and more shows. Um, the shows were becoming very disney They were sort of losing what I found sort of core creative and exciting about them. So the industry was just changing in ways I didn't like. And so I decided to call Andrew and say, like, I'm just going to come and be with you for a month. And I'm going to try San Francisco out. And I moved out here and I just never went back. And that started what I would d- describe as a year of absolute grief. Like, leaving a creative field is really hard. I imagine you experienced it after, you know, at the end of your sports career, too. Like, when totally. given, you put all your focus into something and suddenly you've you've ended it, mm-hmm. it's really hard. And and when I came out to San Francisco, I did some theater, but the theater I did out here just felt really subpar what I was used to. And even this one particular job I took, and jobs are few and far between, so, like, you had to take what you could get out here. And I, I was understudying another guy. They brought this these regional centers, they tend to bring their leads out from New York, which I was the beneficiary of for all those years. And now I was in San Francisco saying, Hey, I'm in your backyard. Um, mm-hmm. but they were still bringing the lead out from New York. Yep. So, so literally I was a standby for a prop for a, for a play that I helped develop that I shouldn't say, I, that's too much. The theater festival I created in upstate New York with about 12 other people developed this piece that ended up going to off Broadway. And now I'm understudying that role in San Francisco. Yep. And, um, and I had this moment where Andrew and I were preparing to adopt our children. And um, I had to miss one training. Oh, excuse me, one. when you're an understudy, you watch the show every time. Eight days a week, you watch the show. And it was a one-man show. You had to play 40 different characters. And I was watching it and learning all these different roles. And I went up to the stage manager and I said, you know, I need to miss one show. Uh, watching one show because I, I have one more training so that my my uh, partner and I can adopt children, you know, from the foster care system, we can't do it unless we finish this training. And I knew they could say no to me, you know, my obligation was to be there. And I was totally happy to have them do that. And this this, this young woman said to me, I don't know if it's a good time for you to adopt right now. You have so much going on. So, you know, so no. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling like that was the last stroke, a strike of, of feeling infantilized by that career that I was just over. I went back to her and I said, you know what? It was totally your right to say, no, I'm totally fine. I'm here. That's all good. But you owe me a, like an apology because you stepped into my personal life. It's not your business to tell me when and when it's not, when it's a good or bad time for me to adopt children. And, and she, um, she decided to think about it, and went back to management and they fired me. Wow. Because I guess I was being uppity. And um, it was the first time ever in my life I'd been fired. And I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. All right. On to the <laughs> next well, a, one. There. A friend of mine from New York named Allison Luce, who you know, yep. uh, who was an actor in New York with me, who was also out here because we'd introduced her to her husband. So she she and I were on the same path at that moment. She was working for a magazine called The Industry Standard. Uh, I got a job as the second executive assistant to the editor-in-chief, and it was internet 1.0 and they were hiring anybody off the street with intelligence and a pulse. And I was like employee number 70. And by the time the the, the company peaked, I'd had seven different jobs and I was, you know, we had like three or 400 employees. And then the crash of internet 1.0 happened and the company unfolded and and it all went, it all went to hell. So, uh, so jobs were over there. And while I was sitting in my cubicle waiting, knowing the end was nearing, because we all sort of knew the writing was on the wall. I got my real estate license because uh, Andrew and I had just bought our first house in Alameda, and the the gentleman who helped us was such a decent, beautiful man. I thought, well, we're adopting children, I need something kind of flexible. you know I'll hold my nose and go into real estate while I figure this out and 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 talked to this guy, Jerry, who said that he would be happy to introduce me to his office and mentor me, and I discovered a a world I didn't know. Uh, could could do uh, would would challenge and inspire me so much and support my my core goals in in ways I I just didn't I didn't see coming.
0: Now that so what I find so interesting about this is real estate. It was so not your intention at that moment. It actually was like a placeholder, if anything, and it was because, actually repugnant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say and that might even be uh, a a nice way to put it for you, um, and yet you have. Taken such a deep dive in, in, and I mean, set some set records as I mentioned in the intro, and brought change at a state level to our industry, and and yet that wasn't even your intention in the beginning. No, not at all. I,
1: I, I, it was just it was a placeholder. It was a stop. I remember this woman in the office who was helping me um, learn, and she said, you know, and she was telling me there's these tipping points. And in year five, you don't have to hustle so much. The phone starts ringing. And when she told me that, I remember thinking in my head, oh, my God, she thinks I'm going to be doing this for five years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, 20 years have gone by. And, and, and what, what, you, what you learn in this industry is that I, I was afraid it was a sales job. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And when I discovered that it was uh, an advocacy job, that it was actually a, a, a job of care and helping somebody at a very important moment in their lives and, and bringing intelligence and strategy and design and negotiation and all those things to bear in, in achieving something for somebody at a critical moment, it just, it all snapped into place. And, it, and I, I, I've, I just, again, I, I sort of think back to my 25-year-old self who was an actor in New York. And if I had told him he was going to be a real estate agent, he would have thrown himself off the nearest building. So, <laughs> so, so to discover that there was this passion and this profession and, and to some degree, you know, because the, the bar to entry in real estate is so low, you know, anybody can get a real estate license. And, and there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of subpar work in our industry. Certainly. Um, and, and I remember even, you know, having to sort of come out as a real estate agent to the people who knew me as a, you know, as a, as this academic achiever who was going to go off to law school. And And I felt a certain level of shame about being in real estate as in that capacity. But again, when you realize that this was a really meaningful thing and, and furthermore, the way it, the way it not only filled my, my heart and soul, but also, you know, helped me provide for my family and these children in ways that um i you know i i was behind i was behind the curve here you know i i right. was into my profession you know in my early 30s and and there was not we we had not made much hay at that point you know andrew or yeah. i andrew had a series of setbacks in his life that, that that were not so he was not you know financially set up in any way so It just was a real uh, confluence of great things for us in terms of us being able to provide and and also really care about what we do, and it really it's just it's been wonderful.
0: David, there's a couple of things here that I'm interested in, but what was the moment that you realized that there was another way to play relative to your career in real estate? And and by that I mean, um, maybe I can give you a little more color. But by that. you came into this profession kind of holding your nose at it and not even thinking you'd be five years and maybe even a couple of years. Uh, but then you you launched into this description of you know design and advocacy and hold and therapy and holding someone's hand and guiding them through a very tender moment. Like how do how do you go from thinking it's a used car salesman to that?
1: Three things popped to mind, spring to mind. One is one um, of my very first deal. I was representing a, representing a buyer on a, on a home in Alameda and just a few days before the home sold or the escrow was, was set to close, the seller decided not to sell.
0: <laughs> That's got to be a, a big, Oh no, moment, especially on uh, your first deal.
1: There oh go. No moment. But what it, what, I think what it awoken me was the realization that, I, I mean, one of the things that, that, the people who know me well know about me as I'm a justice guy. You know, I'm just, I just really believe in, in justice and, and, and fair tradings and looking for the win-win and all that sort of stuff. And it just fired up this, this sense of injustice for my clients who were being treated terribly. And that this was my, now I am tasked with taking care of them in a moment that is absolutely awful mm-hmm. and trying to fix this situation for them, which we, which we ended up doing. The seller came to their senses and, and um, the the property transacted, but but you realize like this is serious, like this is this 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 has major consequences for people. These choices and this advice I'm giving, and as a consequence, I was I, I was slow to to get up to par in real estate because I can't I can't fake it. I don't like faking anything. Like, and there's nothing worse than holding a house open and somebody asking you a question that you realize, oh, I should really know that since this is my profession, and not knowing it and having to say, you know, I. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Can I get your phone number and call you back and let you know? Um, because you can't, you can't make stuff up because it's just so dangerous. So, so it took me a while to, to feel good about, about knowing what I was doing. Cause I, I you know, I can't, I can't pretend I need to know what I'm doing to be confident. And so mm-hmm. just doing what I see in you, which is just, uh, you know, taking on every bit of information you can and learning and learning and learning and learning fast and and hungrily and asking people who know what they know and what their secrets are and, and how to, how to say this and how to, how to, you know, bend this to your advantage. Like there's just so many ways that, 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 um, that this business just fired me up and, and probably mostly from a justice and, um, advocacy instinct. The other thing I'd say is that um, I noticed sort of early on that the marketing, at least in Alameda, when I first went in there, was was to my mind lackluster. People were printing things on their own computers, and and when I went into the hills or the high end properties, I started to see better photography and better presentation. And I realized that there was an opportunity to differentiate just by by spending more money and being more creative in the even just the ancillary materials left behind. Mm-hmm. And I noticed early on, as soon as I started to get a couple of listings, people noticing and saying, wow, this, these photos are beautiful or wow, this material is so beautiful. And and everybody that came into your open house was a chance for you to to present to the world at large you know, what you do and what you represent, whether they're buying a house or not. I mean, one day they might sell a house. Who knows? There So often we have neighbors in there. So I yep. started to sort of move the the um the marketing um, differentiator to my use that to my advantage, and then the last thing i 'd say about this the third thing is uh, and, and this is a great lesson of theater i 'm going to go on a little side note here, please that, do but once in a while i because i 've become a successful rel, you know relatively successful businessman and and the parents I know at schools and whatnot find out that I used to be in theater, and once in a while i 'll have a parent say to me, oh, my kid's interested in theater. Would you mind t- talking to them and talking them out of it? And I was like, you know, I'd be so happy. I usually say I'd be so happy to talk to your kid, but only if you understand that I'm going to tell them to go for it. <laughs> and like, really? That's what you do? And I said, well, yeah, because the things I learned in theater are, are core to my success. And, and one of those uh, I would say is um, you learn, going back to differentiation, you learn... In theater and in everything, and I think this serves you no matter what your profession is. Is the more you can figure out who you are and and where you fit in the world and what your voice is, the more powerful you are. That sort of self awareness is something that 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 is, is is unbelievably powerful. And one lesson of that was when I went into real estate, is I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear all the advice of all these all these veterans who are, gonna, who are all too eager to tell you, these are the things you need to do to succeed in real estate. And they often include you know, farming, which means sending postcards to a certain neighborhood over and over and over again. One of the things that was said to me early on, because back in the day, they used to announce, uh, you know, Canaan Associates has a new realtor, and you get your picture in the paper and a tiny little article. And, and I was told when I was, you know, you basically you write your own article. And I was mm-hmm. told, you know, don't be somebody actually advised that don't be too out, you know, because it's Alameda still has a conservative bent. Um, and I thought, oh, well, all right. So I made sure the very first line in my in my story was David, who moved here with his husband, Andrew, um, because I thought, well, if if everyone's telling me not to do something, then I should probably do it because then everyone will notice. Um, and. Sure enough, very quickly, we became that you know that gay couple real estate team when Andrew joined me, or that gay couple real estate team who has kids i mean just just by being who you you are mm-hmm. um, loudly um, can make people notice you and as a consequence, early also early on I, I because you know we were a gay couple with kids, there were some issues with um, gay curriculum in the Alameda schools, so we got very political and we it was during the prop eight thing, so we actually were um, People who put together a couple of local rallies, and you know, sure, I'm sure we lost some business because somebody, for whatever reason, judged us or didn't like what we were doing. I I don't care. Uh, I don't I don't want to work with those people. Um, What did happen is the people who did share our values uh, were more invested in us because they saw us, you know, fighting the good fight and 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 exposing ourselves and putting ourselves out there. And I think all of it, although it certainly wasn't the intention, it had this sort of um, ancillary effect of bolstering our business and bolstering our profile in the community. So um, so I think I think that's the third lesson I learned, which is just be authentically yourself and and loudly and proudly and 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 good things will happen.
0: Identifying yourself being you you and not trying to conform to what you think will will make the dollar earn the business or what have you that has come through loudly in your story here and then you've you've talked a little bit about it earlier on and I'm I'm curious if you can just define this for the audience a little bit more this lean out lean in mentality that you and Andrew and our team in general brings to obviously sales situations but also just in general can you can you define that a little further
1: I think the best way I can describe it is I always think of it in the the example i always use when we talk about a little bit is the open house i look at everything in our business and and this was particularly true in the beginning of of the of our of our journey in real estate was i i don't i know that i don't want anyone to do unto me what i what i don't like I don't want to do unto anyone else what I don't like done to me. Mm-hmm. I don't like predatory marketing. I don't like solicitation. I, don't, I, I know few people who do. I know, I've know i had the experience of going into an open house before I went into real estate and someone immediately asking me for to sign in or for my name or information or email or phone number, and I immediately recoil. And I just know that that, that is an agent leaning into me in a way that makes me uncomfortable. There's, there's something, they want something from me. So I, I want to create an environment where I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get something from you. That was also true of when we joined, um, when, when our kids went to school, I didn't want to fall into what I, what I perceived to be, for me, a trap of, like, of trying to c- conduct business in, in the arena of where I was being a parent. Mm. So somebody eventually and eventually it does happen. Somebody says, Well, what's happening in the market? Because they hear you're a real estate agent. And you say, okay, well, now I can talk about it. But I'm not right. going to like try to be the realtor guy. I know we frustrated um our development people because they were always asking us to take out ads about the in the local auction. And don't you want to take out an ad and let everybody know what you're doing? I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that here. I want to just be a parent here. And if and 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 sure enough, what ended up happening is Eventually, one of the parents said, "Hey, would you sell my house?" And we did. And all the other parents, sort of, I'm sure, said to them, "How was it? How were they? How'd it go?" Uh, and then the next year, two people asked us to sell their house. And the next year, three or four people asked us to sell their house. So, just again, staying staying true to yourself. And 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 when you had those opportunities, when somebody said to you, "What's the market doing?" If you have a really rich and nuanced and intelligent answer, they go. Huh? And they log that away and think, well, maybe I'll consider these guys if if one day I need help or if somebody I know needs help. So uh, it's about not being so predatory about it, and then just sort of trusting that the universe is going to provide. Um, does that does that answer that question?
0: Yes. There's there's so much value in all of that, and and sprinkled throughout our entire conversation. And I mean, I'm 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 not even sure which way to to go because there's so much so much here, but, um, I, we are unfortunately running a little bit out of time. So, um, want to finish up with this last question, which is if someone simply turned in, tuned into the next 30 seconds, uh, what's the one piece of advice? If there's someone who's looking to to just kind of level up their game or, or step into a new career or, or, or get off of the treadmill, they feel like they're on what's one piece of advice you would give them, uh, or to leave them with rather. Oh, wow. That's
1: hard. I, I, I think, I think the, the, the more you can challenge yourself, deeply challenge yourself to, to know who you are and be, be just brutally authentic, um, is where magic lies. I just think that we are all God, just a horrible metaphor just popped in my head. But we're we're all sort of snowflakes. We're all totally unique. We all have <laughs> a unique story. We all have a unique voice. We all have something utterly unique. And whether even if it even if you've come from something terrible and some kind of struggle, like what you did with that is so powerful. So just go deep into who you are, and 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 live it authentically and positively, and bring positive energy and change. All you know, and a positive voice around you. And I, I just I just think good things happen the more you invest in people and communities they give back. So so um so yeah figure out who you are and 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 the other thing I always tell um, people especially new people in the business or 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 young people starting a career is is figure out where you want to be. Just plant yourself where you want to be. And mm-hmm. challenge yourself too. Like if you want to be a designer of clothes, you need to be in New York. If you want to be a theater person, you need to be in New York. You know, if you want to sell high-end homes, you need to move to a high-end neighborhood. Like put yourself Wherever you're going to grow, you know, as, as large as you want to be like some, for some people it's staying close to home or, or being wherever they, I I don't know. There's so many different ways. There's no judgment about what it is you want, but, but, but go for it. This, you get this one life.
0: Be authentically true to yourself and surround yourself with an environment where that goal can flourish.
1: Exactly right. Find your fertile soil and plant yourself in it.
0: Mm. Now we're going to transition to the very last section of the show that I call the Focus Five, which is five questions that I ask every guest on uh, the show. And I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So are you ready?
1: Okay. I I haven't read these, so I'll be curious.
0: Let's hear them. Cool. All right. First question is, what book have you gifted most often?
1: The Passion by Jeanette Winterson
0: if you could get an hour of their time and ask as many questions as you wanted past or present, who would that person be and why? Oh my God. Any person past or present. They could be deceased. They could be living today. If you could get an hour of their time, who would that be?
1: Oh, um, I don't know why I'm just going to go with my first, my first instance was Leonardo da Vinci.
0: Wow. Uh, that's a new, I haven't heard that one yet. Well, can you give me a couple sentences as to the why? Oh my
1: God. Like what did that person not do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what is one thing you believe that most people uh, would disagree with you on?
1: That is so hard. I would say that I am, um, inherent. I've got your answer. For some reason that is galling to me. Uh, I think it 's a branding problem, but socialism is out of vogue and i 'm absolutely a believer in in, men, in most of the core principles of socialism. I believe the community comes before the individual, and I think we should all be caring for each other and i 'm absolutely disgusted at, at what a controversial um, philosophy or point of view that is
0: wow that's that is one that I think a lot of people would disagree with you on, but i I love that answer. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Give us a glimpse of your morning routine or how you get your day started. Um,
1: The last several years, I've started getting up at uh, either 5 or 5.20 in the morning and three days a week, I take a master swimming class and two days a week, I spin. And that's because I can't find, if I try to exercise during the day, it always gets eaten up. So I get up at the crack of dawn and exercise so so that I can stay relatively in shape and keep my mind clear.
0: And you just completed a swim uh, across Lake Tahoe and then not too long ago from Alcatraz Island back to the shore of San Francisco, right?
1: Yeah, I did that. The Alcatraz I'll probably do again this summer. And and the the Lake Tahoe thing was a relay. So six of us in a relay uh, crossed Tahoe in Uh
0: Several hours, many hours. Awesome. Anyway, so what is the best place online that we can find you? Uh, the Gunderman Group.com. Absolutely. So, Gunderman Group.com. David is all over that one. Also, I'm going to give you a quick plug. He is active on LinkedIn and writes some really amazing thought leadership articles related to, but not directly, in the real estate industry. So, go find him also on LinkedIn because you will find some amazing content there. Um, David, thank you so, so much for sitting down, giving us your story, giving us all that advice. You've really brought a lot of value today to the audience. Um, is there anything you, you feel like you didn't get it to say or that you'd like to leave us with?
1: Uh, no, not at all. But thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor. And I'm the big, your biggest fan. And uh, thank you for, for asking me to do this, for including me.
0: Awesome. Well, David, thanks again. And uh, we will sign it off for now. And that does it for this episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my conversation with David Gunderman. I hope you got as much out of it as I did uh, because David's just got so much knowledge and so many practical pieces of advice that uh, I don't think you're going to hear too many other places. So hope you enjoyed that one. And remember, I would love to have a conversation with you personally to find out how you're resonating with this episode and others. Take a look for my Calendly link in the show notes below. Get on my calendar. Let's have a chat. I'd like to get to know you more. Uh, So until next time, this is Hans Struzina, host of Another Way to Play, signing off. And remember, make every chapter better than the last.
2: Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief S-N-A-H on Instagram and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.